Man, this thing is, things are funky. Okay, Steve, come on up. I, I want to tell you I'm disappointed in everyone in this room except for Steve. Uh, come on up, Steve. Turn around. Turn around. You see? You guys, what, what's wrong with you? I, I don't get it. You're supposed to dress up in multicolored, large, checkered shirts. The announcement went out. Did you not see it? All right, Steve. You are, you're in the spirit today, brother. Okay, the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, chapter 2, let us begin. Let us begin. Father, we thank you for the worship, Lord. And I just um, echo the prayer by the worship team, Lord, let heaven come. Lord, we, we pray that not only in the sense that we really, we, we long for Jesus' return, but also we, we long for heaven to come to Boston. We long for heaven to come, Lord, into the churches of this city, to this church that uh, that we're meeting at right now, the Boston Evangelical Church, and to Calvary Chapel in the city, but also to our lives. Let heaven come, Lord. And Father, I uh, just pray that I wouldn't be a hindrance to heaven coming into the lives of those listening tonight as we're in this book, Lord, which is so, so clearly a book about you, about you, Jesus. Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, the Goel, the blood relative that redeemed, as even as you did, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the message of the cross was not in a vacuum. It was taught about for literally thousands of years prior to it happened. Fill us, Lord, tonight. Fill us with gratitude for the cross. Fill us with that sense, Lord, that what we have, considering our record of sin, is scandalous, Lord. But yet it, it's a reflection of, of your love, and we would just walk out of here with a deeper joy, strength. Thank you for strengthening us in your word. We need you today. We need your Holy Spirit, Lord. Help me, Lord, now as I bring forth your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. There was a relative of Naomi's, Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So just brief, uh, briefly, chapter 1, we saw 
Naomi uh, and her husband Elimelech depart in the midst of a famine from Bethlehem, which is amazing that this whole thing takes place in Bethlehem, given how it, uh, it plays out. Because of a great famine, they leave Bethlehem, they go to Moab, a pagan country, they become pagan. And there, uh, so Naomi left with her husband as well as with her two sons. They get to Moab. Her sons married two Moab, Moabite women, but her husband and her two sons die. And then it's after 10 years. And then now Naomi finds out there's, the famine has ended. There's bread in Israel. She returns to her land, one of her daughter-in-law's Orpah decides to return to her family. And the other one, Ruth, even though Naomi did everything she could to prevent her from doing so, followed her, saying in verse 16 of chapter 1, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from you from following um, after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death departs you and me. So she's back uh, completely impoverished. She actually left impoverished. She comes back impoverished. However, she left with joy. She comes back bitter. Her name, Naomi, means pleasant. It means uh, beauty. It means splendor of grace. However, at the end of chapter 1, when the people uh, surprised to see her back, they say, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter, pa call me Mara. And this is what happens really to anyone living in the world. It, 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 I, 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 it, but it also happens to Christians who are living in the world, which we are called to live in the world. Jesus says, be in the world, but not of the world. But anybody who lives in the world or a Christian who um, lives in the world who, who is not plugged into Jesus through the body of Christ in the world, uh, and the word, rather, will become cynical. I just think of my many years in the uh, working in the private sector and the corporate sector, and just looking at people um, over the years. I was with w in, a, in a Fortune 500 company for for 13 and a half years, and I was um, before that I had been with the biggest corporation I think in the world. No, maybe China beats it out, but the federal government. But um, and what I saw over the years is people. The more time goes by, they grow more and more cynical. And, you know, over and over again, they, why do they grow cynical? Because, you know, there's uh, layoff after layoff after layoff, and there's always announcements an, an, uh, announcing the layoffs, and there's al always the, the reason given, and then there's the real reason, which are completely two different things. And, and, but they're, they're hearing that at every level of corporate life, um, and uh, so often the case. This is not always the case, but 
what I saw was people just growing cynical, but I've also seen Christians too grow cynical and bitter over time. And uh, she is convinced that in verse 21, uh, she, she, she starts arguing with the, the people that the Lord has testified against me. The Lord is against me. She actually says something like that uh, twice. The Lord is against me. Verse 13, end of the verse of verse 13 of chapter 1. The Lord has gone out against me. In fact, he was not. In fact, people for thousands of years are going to be reading about her story. But this is how we get when we're not plugged in to Jesus with his people and in the word. And, and, in the word. and of course, she wasn't. She was in Moab. And people, commentators argue about whether or not she should have done that. But uh, I, I, I can't imagine anyone really having justification for going, moving to a Moab unless the Lord is really, really, really speaking in their ear. But the, the fruit of it wasn't very good. She had come back cynical, bitter. Um, but Romans 8.28, God works all things together for good to those who love God, which she clearly did, and to those who are called according to her there was something about her that she, she was a child of God. We talked last Sunday morning about children of God. She's clearly a child of God. That's why her daughters-in-law were so attractive to her. So um, she brings Ruth back. So verse 2, so Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Verse 3, then Ruth left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech, meaning Boaz was related to or of the, uh, related to uh, Naomi's former husband. Verse 4, now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. Did anyone go into work today? Did that happen? Your boss came in and said, the Lord be with you. And you returned and said, uh, and, and, <laughs> and you said, the Lord bless you. There are jobs like that, by the way, I mean, and, it's, and it's cool. Most of, most of Christians in America um, are not called to work in, in a small Christian um, setting, but uh, what an incredible job to have where your boss shows up saying, uh, saying, the Lord be with you. So what's going on here? So she is gleaning. Uh, now, the, uh, in Leviticus chapter 19, uh, verse, verses 9 and 10, you don't have to uh, go there, but uh, the, the, the people of Israel were required by Mosaic law. This was not a suggestion. This was a law that if they had a field, they were not allowed to harvest all the crops. They were allowed to go through those crops one time. And if they looked over their shoulder and there was some stuffed grain left uh, that had not been, uh, they had not reaped it, they had not 
harvested it. They were not allowed to go that back. It was specifically for the poor. It was specifically for the poor. And I love uh, chapter 19, verse 10. Reminds me of the many verses about uh, immigrants. <laughs> and, and actually, this is about the immigrant as well. It says, you shall leave uh, uh, the rest of the, um, of the harvest for the poor and the, and the immigrant. I am the Lord your God. So if you fear God, you better not go back. And get that. And so um, Ruth and Naomi being impoverished, uh, Ruth, asked, she apparently has learned this tradition. It's not a tradition, this law. And uh, she, goes, um, she goes to a field, and it so happens to be Boaz's field. That was not a coincident, it was a God incident, as we will see here. Verse 5, then Boaz said to his reapers, rather, Boaz said to, um, not his, yeah, so, said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? So the reaper, so the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, "It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab." Verse seven, and she said, "Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves." So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little while in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth. You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not glean in another field, nor go far from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from uh, what the young men have drawn. And so, remember what we started off with last week. The book of Judges was one ugly picture. I mean, come on. The last two incidents in the book of Judges. One was a religious uh, confusion incident where um, a priest goes, who wasn't even supposed to be a priest. He was a regular Levite being hired for, uh, just in, by a house. Just some household by, uh, hires him as a priest to be a priest of idols. And then, you know, someone else comes along and, and they bargain, you know, they offer him more money and he goes with them. And the conclusion was what? Was what? Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And then you have, of course, the end of the uh, book of Judges, the, the terrible story about the, the, the Benjamite and um, the, what the Benjamites did to the Levite and his concubine and the concubine winds up being hacked up in 12 pieces and uh, after being raped and sent to the 12 tribes. This, that's the setting for the book of Ruth. It is an incredibly dark time. But as we said last week, don't get become overcome with discouragement when you look around in 2019 at the darkness around you. Remember, God always has a remnant, and he does right here. There is a light even so much of a light, there's actually some guy showing up to his workers and saying, 
the Lord be with you. And the workers answering and saying back, the Lord bless you. Now, why do I bring all this up? Because it's still a dangerous time there for a woman. And that's why Boaz is telling um, Ruth, listen, don't go into the other fields. Remind you of something? It kind of reminds you of, of uh, that old man, what he said to the Levite man who showed up with his concubine. You better not stay out here. It's, it's, it's a dangerous place. Come into my home. And, and, and so this is still a dark time, even close by in Bethlehem. It's a, it's a dark time, but here you have this wonderful, beautiful remnant. God always has a remnant. He always has his people. Don't keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, not all the madness that's around you. And so he tells her, look, don't go to the other fields. You stay here. And I've told the young men, they better not touch you. And so uh, uh, that's our man, Boaz. So let's, uh, let's go on. Verse 10, so she fell on her face, bowed to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your, hu of, of your husband. And how you have left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. Kind of reminds you of Abraham, huh? In Hebrews chapter 11, which is the definition of faith, it defines a faith uh, among other reasons, uh, among other ways. With Abraham, he went to a, a, a place that he did not know. Maybe the Lord is calling you right now to... A, a, a place that you do not know, a ministry that you do not know, or calling you to do something that prior to that you did not know. That's faith. That's the faith that pleases the Lord. Verse 12, the Lord repay your work and full, full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Now that's wonderful, huh? Uh, is it Psalm 91, where it's among other places where uh, David talks about hiding in, uh, under the wings of the Lord? Or is that Psalm 63? Wherever. But um, maybe it's both places. But uh, this is before David. So that language, that rich language, that prayer language, we, we see even before the Psalms. Verse 13, then she, Ruth, said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant though I am not like one of your maidservants. And so, uh, I know there's a humility here. It's, it really doesn't appear to be a false humility. This just seems to be that meek and gentle uh, spirit that uh, Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter uh, 3 of a woman who's really used strongly by the Lord. Verse 14, now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. So the gleaners were in one place. Those were the poor people who came to glean part of the field. The reapers are in another place and they're having like a better meal. 
and he's inviting, uh, he invites Ruth over to join uh, the lunch of the reapers. That's what's uh, going on. This guy Boaz is a he, he's a he's a cool dude. Verse fifteen. And when she rose in, up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, "Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her." So basically, what that means is. She doesn't need to glean anymore. She can come into the real deal, like the areas of the fields which have not even been, been harvested yet. He's just being a, 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 a real gracious person. Verse 17, so she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. That's 27 pounds. You know, I, I want to... I want to just point something out here about Ruth. She's very humble, but people get, um, woo. Sorry, my uh, microphone's falling out. <laughs> Hi, John. My microphone's falling out. I want to I say here something about humility. It's, it's very important that you don't confuse humility with false humility. So a false humility would be, no, no, I, 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 I don't want to do that. I, I don't, you know, I'm being called to uh, eat, eat lunch with the reapers, and that's, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. That's, that's not humility. What that's doing is, that's disobedience to the Lord. And then, she, and, and then the next thing is, um, she's called to not be with the gleaners anymore, but essentially with the reapers. And she doesn't say, no, no, look, don't worry about that. And, and so listen, if you have a gift and you're not using it, that's a problem. And, and some of the most wonderfully encouraging uh, things for, for, for me to see over the years was the humility of someone who was willing, they were called into a position of, of leadership. They were called into it by us, into a position of leadership, and they stepped right, right up into it. I, I think of, of Vita. She was such a blessing to me because when she was 19 years old, I remember seeing her lead a worship set when there was, I think, three other worship leaders on her team. And she was doing it in a beautifully confident way. Uh, now, she didn't force her way into that position. She was asked to go there, but she didn't say, oh, no, 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 no. That's not humility. And so um, she, she's got, Ruth has got the whole package. She's got the, the meek and quiet spirit, but think about how bold this is. I mean, she's coming from some foreign land, and, and, and these strange people, and this guy in a high position of authority saying, hey, you come here, come eat with us. And she just boldly comes in, go into the field and, and, and be a reaper, not a gleaner, and she just does it. It's, it's, uh, that's how the Spirit of God, that's, that, that is a spirit of, uh, that Spirit-filled humility there. Um, and so humility does not mean that you, you, you stay back when the Lord is calling you to go out strongly. And so um, a beautiful picture here of what humility it really is. Humility is a, such a powerful thing here. Okay. 
Verse 17, so she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Then she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied, and her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today, and where, have you, where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. You know, that's the first time we see her talking to God. And that's a problem, isn't it? That she did not talk to God earlier. That she was not crying out to God earlier. Now, the Lord is merciful. Isn't the Lord merciful? But it really, it took something like this. But, but don't, don't wait until the blessing to worship the Lord. Don't do that. Thank the Lord uh, when you're in a time of, of famine. Praise him because he's doing something good in your life. He's forging your character so that you can be usable one day or, or, or so that you can be increase in the usability that he has for you. He's been using you already. So really, it's the first time we see her uh, talking to the Lord. And Naomi said to her, this man is a relative of ours, one of our close relatives. King James Version, kinsman redeemer in Hebrew, Goel, it means uh, to redeem. It's, it's, it's referring to the nearest blood relative. Now, that's a big deal for this book. The Goel, which is used how many times? 22 times in the book of Ruth alone, this word Goel, redeemer, um, is used. And it's a prophetic foreshadowing of none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our Goel. This man is a relative of ours, one of our close relatives. So it, it, it really, it, the word um, can be traced back to many different parts of the Old Testament. Um, Genesis uh, 48, 16, Exodus 6, 6, it's God is the Redeemer. But in Leviticus 25, um, your nearest blood relative is given the right to redeem your property or redeem you if you go into slavery. The word is used in Numbers 35 of someone who redeems the, avenges the murder of a relative. In Numbers 5.8, it's used as someone who um, receives restitution for the wrong done to, to a relative. And, and the concept of a redeemer. In Deuteronomy as well, in Deuteronomy chapter, I think it's, is it 25? Deuteronomy 25, I think. Yeah, 5 through 10. Although the word 
goel is not used. It's the same concept, which we're going to see here in the book of Ruth, that if there's a married couple and the husband dies, in order that the husband's name would not be extinguished in Israel, that man's brother is told to marry the widow, and if, there, and if there's a child, the name of that child would be not the biological father, but the, uh, the, 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 the previous husband, the, the man who died. If the husband refused, Deuteronomy 5.10, the woman had the right to uh, remove the man's sandal, so this would be her brother-in-law, and spit in his face. <laughs> Anyone else going to laugh with me? Sorry. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I shouldn't laugh. I, 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 uh, but, but it was like a serious thing because it's like the brother-in-law is, is doing a serious um, miscarriage of justice almost against his brother because his brother's name is going gonna, is gonna to die out. Uh, and, and so um, the whole concept of Goel is also there, that the, that the brother uh, of the deceased had to come in as a Goel and, and, and to carry on the name. By the time Ruth happens, it's expanded beyond just brothers, basically to the nearest blood relatives. But it is a may, and it's not, not a you must. So whether it's redeeming property or whatever, they don't have to do it, but they may do it. So uh, there you have it. And so uh, let's continue there. She's, blessed be the the Lord who has not forsaken us uh, for his kindness, because this man, Boaz, verse 20, is a relative of ours, one of our close relatives, Verse 21, Ruth the Moabite said, He also said to me, You shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young woman and that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Chapter 3. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? So uh, she's not married. Uh, Naomi is still impoverished. She's concerned about her daughter-in-law. So she is going to come up with this plan, which is looking is going to look scandalous if I ever asked one of my daughters to do this I would probably be jumped by the elder board um, of our church but um, this was a practice at the time that she is going to suggest uh, to Ruth to do with Boaz verse two now Boaz whose young women were now Boaz whose young women were with you is he not our relative in fact he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor therefore wash yourself anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. So again, I, I love Ruth as 
the picture of Ruth. She's just a woman of courage. It's like, what? Really? You Hebrews do this? This is crazy. No, she doesn't tell. She doesn't say that. She just, uh, she, she does it. She obeys, verse 6. And so uh, she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk, his heart was cheerful. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. So he's guarding. You see, this is a dark time. He's guarding his crane. This rich man, Boaz, is having to guard his own grain. He doesn't necessarily even trust his own. Remember, this is the time of the judges. Uh, And so he's uh, lying down at the end of a heap of grain, and she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. And now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself. And there, a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Meaning, would you consider marrying me? Oh, my. So, uh, you know, I I know it's, I I can't say with absolute certainty that a woman can't propose to a man, although I don't recommend it, ladies. I I don't, or or anyone listening to, to this message, I don't recommend that, but here she is, consider me as your wife. That is what she is saying. Verse 10, then he said, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter. For you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. In other words, I'm an ugly older guy, and he was old. He had to be, because if you look at the genealogy uh, between, um, between Boaz's father, Salmon, who married who? Who did Bo- who was Boaz's mother? Rahab. Right, right. And if if you look at the uh, genealogy, he would have had to have been old. Um, and so he's saying, "Wow, you know, you could have gone after the younger men. You're considering uh, me? Wow. Hmm. Looking, feeling pretty good now. That's a that Boaz there. Uh, and now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. Wow." For all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Her heart may have sunk at that time. Stay this night and in the morning it shall be that if um, he will perform the duty of a close relative for you. Good. Let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for, uh, for you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. You know... I don't think it's a coincidence that you have this guy who is just a winsome character. He's filled with grace. I don't think it's a coincidence that his mother is Rahab. And I think he just came from a heritage of grace. I mean, his dad married a prostitute, period. And yet it was a prostitute who loved the Lord, who had followed the Lord, who had risked everything for the Lord, who had made, made a name for herself in Israel. And, and, and Boaz grew up in that household where grace abounded. 
You know, the, it, 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 it really is true. And I know for me, um, uh, I have four daughters. Man if, if the man, if a man loves Jesus and, and has a history of a sustained walk with the Lord, I don't care what his record is. He can marry my daughter. And so, uh, it, 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 and Boaz is a, is a wonderful example uh, for me here. Uh, he's, he's just such a wonderful uh, man of God. He's an example to uh, all of us. Verse 14, so she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Also, he said, bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs, 60 pounds of barley, and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, is that you, uh, Naomi said, is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, these six ephahs of barley he gave me. For he said to me, uh, do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. And, 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 and just, a, just a cool little testimony of Boaz's um, character. He's just a man, he's going to take care of this. If he said this, he's not going to rest until it is done. And, and guys and, and ladies, we have to be people of our word. Uh, keep keep the word uh, that you, that you give to people even when it hurts and 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 he does it here um, and he's going to wind up doing it here but he had the reputation amongst others it says of an elder in first Timothy chapter three that he has a reputation for godliness a qualification um, for um, an elder and so he had this reputation uh, Boaz did. Um, chapter 4. Now Boaz went up to the gate, and this is the gate of the city, and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom, meaning the Goel, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So what was going on here is that Boaz was a close relative of Ahimelech, but there was someone closer, and so that guy had the right of first refusal. So Boaz can't take... He could not exercise the rights of a goel until the relative closest to Ahimelech um, uh, had first had a chance to exercise his right. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they, said, so they sat down. Verse 3, then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the mountain of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And so this is back to Leviticus 25, verse, uh, verse 25, which specifically allows uh, the closest relative uh, the right to go get this land, to purchase it, to be a redeemer, to be a goel. Verse 4, and I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people if you will redeem it. Redeem it, but if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. So you're number one, and I'm number two. And he said, I will redeem it. And then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field 
from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the, clo and the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. So he backs out of the deal. Verse 7, now this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning a redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal. So I don't think this relates to the Deuteronomy 25, taking off the sandal and spitting in the face thing. I just, it, because it says in verse 7, um, it, it, it says that any time there was a, a, a redeem and exchange, these, there would be this ritual of taking off the sandal and people would all witness unto it. But it was a way of cementing the deal. Verse 9, And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's, that was, remember, that was, those were Elimelech's two sons, from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from, uh, from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And all the, all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, and may you prosper in Epathra and be the famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah, whom because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. And that, that, that's always a curious one to me, by the way, verse 12, because if you remember, uh, Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. And she disguised herself as a harlot and had sex with her father-in-law. And it's interesting here that they would uh, bring up that incident, but they do. And, uh, but I, it, it's a mystery to me. So if, if you want to know from me, I, I don't know why they would bring that incident up here. Verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she went, she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. And then the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who was not, has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. It just brings warmness to your heart as you read that. Verse 16, then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. I don't believe that means she was a wet nurse, that she just took care of him. Verse 17, and the neighbor women 
gave him a name. There's a son born to Naomi. They called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. And again, I'm not sure why they used Perez here. They could have just as well used Judah. I don't know why they did, but they start with um, Judah's son, Perez. Judah being one of the 12 uh, tribes of Israel, one of the 12 uh, sons of, of Jacob. Perez begot Hezron. Verse 19, Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz. And Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David. One little interesting tidbit there. Again, uh, Boaz's mother, Rahab. Um, no, Sorry, I got ahead of myself. Um, when David was being chased by Saul, he needed to hide his mother and father from Saul. Where did he take her? Well, sorry, where did he take them? Moab. So it's just interesting because there was still that family relation at the time that David takes his father and mother over to Moab and prevent, you know, to hide uh, them, get them out of Saul's, uh, his, his really, his bloodthirsty pursuit. Um, I shouldn't say bloodthirsty, but blood on hands pursuit of, uh, of David. Uh, but, you know, I... Um, had a wonderful time preaching in Romans chapter 8, and I feel that there was, the Lord really uh, spoke to me while I was teaching to the church on Romans chapter 8, and uh, I, I probably shouldn't do stuff like, you know, make statement like, like this, but I, I honestly think that if, if, so, if someone were to ask what, well, one, I probably, I don't know, probably 10 to 12 sermons in Romans chapter 8, if someone asked me, well, what one should I, what one should I um, listen to, I would probably say the one given a few months ago on Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And the reason is, is because, man, Christian, if you don't believe in the goodness of God, you're, you're not going to be fruitful for the Lord. And that's why God has chosen you. We talked about this on Sunday, John chapter 15, Jesus said to you, you did not choose me, I chose you and appointed you to go bear fruit, fruit that outlasts you, but we're not going to bear fruit, or if we do, it'll be uh, just as a sliver compared to what it would be if we really understand the goodness of God. God is good. <laughs> he is absolutely good. And even when your circumstances don't look good, even when they look good or uh, look hopeless around you, just this morning I was in First Samuel chapter 30, 
before David became king. His two wives were kidnapped. His, if he had any children, they were kidnapped. They were ki- kidnapped by all the, uh, all, all the men that, um, were surround, uh, that fought with him. All their wives and kids were kidnapped. All his possessions were kidnapped in the city that he had burned down. And his men wanted to, wanted to um, stone him. But he still, it says, in the middle of all that, it says, and, and David took strength in the Lord his God. And there's a guy who knew about the goodness of God. He knew this looks completely hope, hopeless. Naomi, her situation was completely hopeless. And uh, she missed out. She missed out on an opportunity to be really worshiping the Lord in a rare way that not many people get to wor- worship in that way, where your fellow, you have a fellowship with the sufferings of Christ and just knowing the goodness of the Lord because, you know, the times are dark around us. We live in a dark, dark world right now. But we can't become bitter. We can't become, you know, why didn't I live in the 50s with Beaver Cleaver? <laughs> you know, uh, we can't, that can't be our attitude. And so here you have it. She winds up giving birth to a child who, just in a few generations, her descendant is David the king by which every other king in Israel was judged, a man after God's own heart, and then a thousand years after that, Jesus Christ, who was born in this same city, Bethlehem. Uh, It it really is quite a shocking story. We do learn this, though, from this story, that a life of simple obedience, so important, so important that we don't look for results um, right off you know, right away, and sometimes, sometimes, rarely, but sometimes, someone may not even see the fruit in their lifetime. I mean, just, just th- think about this. The real fruit of her life came a couple generations later when Jesse gave one of his eight sons, his eighth son was, was David. And, and she was dead by then. And so, so whatever it is you're doing now, you may not see, if Jesus tarries, you may not see the true result of it until, until after the Lord takes you. you know? Hopefully he's going to come and, and, uh, before that. Hopefully he comes tonight, and I really mean that. But um, Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer, what are the requirements of a a kinsman redeemer? Number one, he has to be a blood relative. Jesus had to be a blood relative to us because God, um, the reason was because in order to credit what he did to our account, he had to be a man. He had to be a blood relative. He had to do that. He had to be tempted as any man, but he also had to die. God doesn't die. It had to be a man. It had to be a, a blood relative, um, if y- you will. I mean, Jesus is a blood relative to all of us. He's related to Noah, just like all of us, and Adam and Eve. Number two, he had to be free himself. Uh, it, 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 he had... 
he couldn't be under tremendous debt himself. He, he couldn't be a sinner. He couldn't be debted to God. And so that was the case with Jesus. In addition to that, a kinsman redeemer at the time, if, if they were more indebted or if they didn't have enough wealth to pay the debt, they, they couldn't really fulfill their obligation or their opportunity as kinsman redeemer. Jesus, of course, didn't have any sin, so he was free in that way. And, and he was, of course, more wealthy than us. He has plenty enough life in terms of a perfect life in order to go to the cross for us. And then finally, he had to redeem willingly because remember, all these stories about the Goel, if you go back into De uh, to Deuteronomy and, um, and the book of Leviticus, they didn't have to do it. Leviticus 25 specifically says if someone got bankrupt and had lost all their property, their closest relative, it says, may redeem it, it says. If you fell into slavery, your closest relative could if they wanted to. They didn't have to do it. And of course, Jesus willingly did it, what he did for us. So let's, um, why don't we uh, close out in, in prayer and just such a wonderful uh, picture. Eddie, yeah, if you could come up, thank you. Just such a wonderful picture. Just of the goodness of God. If we could... Um, last week, I believe, we prayed that the Lord would have us fix our eyes on Jesus when we, we get into Naomi-like circumstances in our life. We, we can't look too much to the right or the left or we will become cynical, we will we'll become bitter. We, we really do um, need to believe in the goodness of God. Why don't we continue that tonight? Just in your groups, just you praying out loud directly to the Lord, just asking the Lord, God, please let me be one that has a deep, deep confidence in your goodness always. And, and, and if there's a situation in your life that you just want to call out together in prayer with your brothers and sisters, Lord, I have this going on, but I, I, I just believe in your goodness. I believe that all things work together for good to those who love God. Um, and then just in your prayer groups, thanking the Lord for being your, your kinsman redeemer, for being willing to leave the glory of heaven, for, 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 for being your Boaz, who is like, he didn't reluctantly do it. That's a great, great picture we have here. This, you don't see Boaz going, oh, no. Another freeloader showing up. Oh, blah, blah, blah. No, he's like, come here. Go, come. Be, don't be a gleaner. Be a reaper. Or, or Don't go to the other fields. Go to mine. That's how much God loves you. So let's do that. If you could just get into um, groups of four and five, let's pray directly to the Lord. And if you hear someone next to you praying, and you, you, after they pray and you feel moved to pray for them, please do. Okay. God bless you.